What is up, everybody? I'm your host, Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Got a packed show for you today, per usual. Philly stink, as you know. Trey Turner stinks, as you know. Kyle Schwerber stinks, as you know. Fred Van Vliet's being rumored to the Sixers. We're going to go through our Philly top 25 list because we are in the dog days of June right now. But first, let's bring on Kevin Kincaid and let's bring on special guest, John Jansen from Fox Philly, the gambler. 102.5, right? You can get on the dial. Yeah, 102.5 FM, 1480 AM and always streaming in the iHeartRadio app. AM, I didn't even know AM radio was still a thing. Yeah, I actually listen to it more in the AM. Because the AM is like the bigger signal. So I get it in, I'm in media now. So I get it actually in media. So I'm an Got AM it. guy. All of a Got it. Well, well, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Before we get into the top 25 Philly athletes, I do want to talk to you both about the Phils because the Phils absolutely stink. 25 and 30. Trey Turner, $300 million man. He's hitting 236 right now, 184 with runners in scoring position. Alec Bohm, breaking news, just went to the 10 day IL. And Kyle Schwarber's hitting 164, uh, but it is June 1st, so maybe that'll turn around. I do have a question for you, Jansen. I've seen this thrown out on Twitter. You know how Wawa sells those Schwar bombs? Yeah. I haven't had one yet. I haven't either. I'm not a big energy drink guy, but don't you think Wawa should have to price the Schwar bomb at the current batting average from Kyle Schwarber? I guess so, because you can't do it with OPS, because if you do his OPS, it'll be too high. It'll be like seven, seven, eight dollars for a drink by the end of the year. So well, I, I think, think that's what a monster might be with inflation right now. So <laughs> it actually might be at that point, reasonably plur- a price. If you go by OPS, maybe by uh slugging might be better because if his slugging's good, then it can get up to, I think it right now it's, I think 400, not even, I think it's hundred points down from what it was last year. So I think, I think slugging might be the one you want to go with. Okay. Yeah, so we'll meet right my in the batting middle. average archaic. That sounds like a Kyle Pagan thing to do. That's an <laughs> archaic Neanderthal thing to do is to look at his batting average. Yeah, right now the drink is going for $4.88. Do we have his OPS off the top of our head, anybody? Or his, his OPS uh, or his seven, percentage? I think it's like 710. It's going down. It continues to go down. So. Do you I'm know not, what a slugging exactly is off the top of your head? Slugging, I thought, was 400. Okay. Because I know that's that's down across the board. No, I think. What do you think, Kev? I think for a couple energy drinks mixed with some like you know red red color food coloring dye, it should be one eighty eight, one forty eight, whatever the hell, one sixty four is what he's batting right now. Well, I laughed when you said like, well, it's going to be seven dollars and something or other because I think that's like what you kind of pay for that shit now. It's like that. It's that bad. Um, I went. (laughs) I was at the King of Prussia food court, King of Prussia Mall food court the other day, and I went to uh, Five Guys. And I'm like, All right, I'm just going to get like a burger and fries and like a drink or something, right? And the lady looks at me. She's like, that'll be $21. Woo, just you? $21. Yeah, just me. Just me. $21. That guys has always been expensive, though. Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah, I could feed my you whole damn get the fries. Yeah. They, they put a lot of fries, the fries in there. They, always put, they put too many fries in there, and, you don't have, and you're trying to eat them all by the end of it. I'm like, I don't need that much. But, yeah, it was sticker shock, man. I still got to pay off this riding mower too, Pig, and I got the zero-turn electric mower. <laughs> Such I a Kincaid thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're going to get $20 for a cheeseburger here, man. I got to pay off the battery mower. You know? By the way, you can get a better cheeseburger than Five Guys. Five yeah. Guys, they taste fine. It tastes good, but that is a nasty burger. Very nasty. I got I to tell you um, – I I've I loved the statistic of them not getting to second base um, for the first time since 2016. That was a good one the other night. Obama was in office back then. We didn't he hadn't even haven't even lived through the Trump stuff yet. Um, 
They have some. What is it? What is it? They've got seven runs. They've scored seven runs in like their last thirty some some innings. Um, and then you got Ben Davis, Kyle's dad, and Tom McCarthy arguing about the unwritten rules of baseball. It was like a turn. It was like the South Park episode of whether you got to choose between the giant douche and the turd sandwich. I mean, the Phillies are giving us both of that at the same time. It was the it was the giant douche and the turd sandwich. The broadcast is weird last night, by the way. Because they were also talking about a chair that wasn't working for Ben Davis, and they yeah. had to get him a whole other chair. It was he all also, over the place. He also like flashed his shoe sock game at one point. I don't know why yeah, I just flashed my, right. my, my barefoot like I'm Aaron Rodgers <laughs> at a press conference, but I did. I, I just wanted to give a visual. That's, a, that's, free, that's free content right there. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is the triple X version of uh, Crawford Broadcast. <laughs> this yeah. is... Yeah, wow. this is the uh, the porn hub of Fox Philly, the gambler. Yeah, and then later um, Rex, Rex Ryan's going to join the show in a little bit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but um, where was I? Where was oh, the broadcast? Yeah. So where are you at on the unwritten rules there, John Jansen? Do, do you have to throw hard to second base if you're going to double some guy up? No, I always feel like that was a common thing. If there was if there was an easy play, because I remember from the outfield, it would happen too. or uh, again, a shortstop throwing the first base because it was an easy throw. I always feel like that's been the case in baseball. So I didn't I didn't quite understand what Ben Davis was so upset about. I feel like he's probably done it at some point. Because well, every Kyle, time Kyle yeah, pulled the video. Like, couldn't a catch a dribbler and just like if the guy wasn't running that hard, he just kind of lob it over. Like I, I don't know, I didn't see it. Well, you can't commit an error on that throw. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's got no, not in danger of throwing it over his head or anything. But Kyle pulled the video of Ben Davis bunting, you know, twenty some years ago to break up uh, Kurt Schilling's no hitter, right? So. People did say it was a two nothing game in the middle of a pennant race. Ben Davis, two oh three or two thirty something lifetime hitter and whatnot. I mean, if you watch the video, the bunt is absolutely ugly. It's an ugly bunt. I think even Ben Davis was shocked. It went all the way out. It went all the way out to the dirt in uh, on second base almost. And the uh, and the guy had no plan. It broke up Kurt Schilling's perfect game. Now you could also say. Kurt Schilling sucks, and then you could also say Ben Davis sucks, and then you just be in the middle and be like, hey, the unwritten rules of baseball kind of suck. Here's Craig pulling it up right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, the so much things to complain about this team, and we're talking about Francisco Lindor. Wow, that was an ugly ball. Yeah, that is terrible. Yeah. The pride that of, is Ma- not the pride of Malvern, I would say. Yeah. yeah. but I, here's, here's my thing with the Phillies, though. This is a good question for Jansen. Um, we could because we can sit here all day long and we can say, you know, the hitters just got to find their form. Schwarber's coming up to June. This guy's going to figure it out. That guy's going to figure it out. There's a lot of baseball to play. You can throw out all the cliches, right? But outside of these dudes rounding into form, when you watch the Phillies, what what is like a real concern? What's like an actual red flag that says to you, oh, this is not a matter of this dude like finding himself. This is like some shit that's like really broken and has to be fixed. Aranola, I think that's the big one. I Because your starting rotation, you had two absolute dogs in Wheeler and Nola. And those were the two that when you got into, let's just say a playoff race, you're getting down to a pennant race, that those two would be the guys, your anchors that you can rely on and 
Aaron Nola is just not that guy. I don't know if he ever will be this year. I mean, we're getting to a point now. We are in June. It's been a couple of months of baseball, and Nola just he seems to be getting worse. His velocity just doesn't seem to be right. Uh, his his curveball isn't the kind of strikeout stuff it used to be. He used that. It's kind of just a get-over pitch now uh, because he can throw it for strikes. I, I just I think Nola is the biggest concern, and then the starting rotation in general, where you don't have a number five guy. You don't have anybody in AAA. I think you're starting to see how thin – and if that's always been the case for the Phillies, you, you know, you don't patch up an entire roster just by signing $300 million guys. Uh, they needed to get somebody up from AAA, somebody up from their minor league system into the starting rotation. Painter was supposed to be that guy, and he's not it because of the injuries. And so now you have a question at number five. I still think you have a question about Walker. They overpaid him, but they did it because they had to, and they needed to bolster up the starting rotation. But he doesn't look great, and I would hit the panic button even over him as well. So I think the starting rotation is the biggest concern because I do see, like, because Schwarber has figured it out before. Trey Turner has always figured it out throughout his entire career. Romuto's figured it out. Even last year figured it out in the second half of the season. So I can at least say I, th- I have seen those guys previously been able to figure that out. I just don't know with Nola and the rest of the starting rotation if they can, other than Wheeler, because Wheeler's starting to look like himself. Well, that's what I'm trying to, I'm, I'm having trouble with with the Phillies right now. Because it is like that, where it's like, obviously, last year they fired Joe Girardi. They're not firing Rob Thompson anytime soon, I don't think. I mean, no what, would be, what would be the move after that? Right, so what's the, catalyst, what's the turning point or the catalyst this time? Like, just on these dudes to figure it out themselves, you know? That's the thing that's like, okay, well, if it's going to click, when's it going to click? We can sit here forever and say, well, they'll figure it out, or they're going to you know, they're gonna start hitting or whatever. Well, it might not click. I, it it might know? not. I mean, I'm looking at who they just brought up, this Drew Ellis guy to replace – to replace Alec Bohm. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like they keep bringing up guys who I'm just like, who is this guy? Who is that guy? Like there is, there, you know, it's kind of a Dombrowski move where he doesn't really, he, he takes every, every prospect <laughs> yeah. and trades them away. Um, obviously I think McGarry is probably the only one I can really think of that has, you know, what kind of a shot of this too. year. And yeah. you can move guys. you can talk all you want about moving guys down in the order? Um, but who are you moving up? You know? That's the thing. I'm very cautious about moving guys up that are doing well because yeah. I start seeing lineups now of move Cody Clemens up to six and five. If you move him up to six or five, he's going to be back down to a, a 200 hitter again and he's not going to do anything. So, yeah, like, yeah I, there are no solutions. That's why when it comes to the Rob Thompson thing, the only thing that he has a strong fingerprint on and most managers do is how you handle pitching and bullpen in particular. And the bullpen's literally been the best part of this team for now a year and a half. Well, dating back to the second half of last year, now the start of this year. The bullpen is the strongest part of the team, even dealing with an injury like Jose Alvarado, who's been the best relief pitcher in baseball. They lose him and they still are top five in ERA over that span since he's been gone. So I, I think Rob Thompson's been great. It's just right. I think I think Kevin's right. What can you do when Trey Turner's not doing well, and you know you you're down Reese Hoskins at the start of the year as well, which I think that's a big deal. Excellent, so now yeah. you got to move. Now we're talking about moving guys in the lineup up like Cody Clemens. That's not a solution. That's not even a, a short term fix. That is a desperation. Let's hope to God he can continue yeah. what he's doing at the eighth spot at number five or six. But I just I can't see that happening because he's not that good. So do we just sit here and just wait for them to turn it around? I mean, that's what it kind of is. Unless that's unless they go out and get a couple arms in the starting rotation, maybe they move Strom back to the starting rotation. We'll see. Blah blah blah. But like, I mean, we, unless I, I Derek think, Hall coming back at any point really interests you, but I don't even think that's 
that's going to help it's, it's, too much. It's not a sexy, you know, answer, but it's kind of like you just have to hope that the guy who is slump-proof, Trey Turner, starts hitting. you got to hope the guy who's been awesome in June starts hitting. you got to hope that Bryce Harper stays healthy, boom, comes back. You know, hopefully that hamstring doesn't affect him and whatnot. But, I mean, it's – yeah, you're just kind of throwing your hands up in the air right now and just being like, you know, what else – what else can they do? Yeah, what else? yeah, there's not a there's not a lot of like like uh, actionable items here. Yeah, you know, like that's the word we use in like politics. Here and you can talk about all this stuff on Twitter, but are you like, okay, what can you do to actually go out and change this? You know, like oh, I can go vote. I can go hand out flyers. I can you know canvas for Helen Gim or something. Like what the hell is is <laughs> are the Phillies doing other than just saying, well, you know. This guy's going to start hitting at some point. I mean, okay, that's that's maybe that's true, but it doesn't doesn't it doesn't get you anywhere, you know? Yeah, and that's that's kind of the the sign of the Phillies still digging themselves out of a decade long drought of doing absolutely nothing, bringing up nobody because they are dealing with injuries. Reese Hoskins was a big deal. Reese Hoskins going down before the season was a big blow to this lineup. Uh, even your depth started to go down. Kristen Pache went down. You had another first baseman in Derek Hall. Your number five starter, Andrew Painter, is supposed to be your next big thing, injured and down. So they are dealing with injuries. The thing is, if that happens to a good team like the Braves or Tampa Bay uh, or some of these other organizations like Houston where guys go down there's always somebody to replenish that there's always somebody new and the Phillies just don't have that yet they're trying to buy their way to get into contention and that's absolutely fine it's good to do that but they, this is still a rehabilitation process that is not quite yet finished when it comes to the entire organization and especially when it comes to depth and uh, guys in the minor league system and being able to replenish that over and over again maybe they should have kept Markel Fultz see if Markel Fultz could have helped them did you see that so yeah, I did. What, if, anyone didn't see it, if anyone didn't say it, Foltz was on. Uh, he was on a podcast with, uh, I believe, it was Quentin Richardson and Darius, uh, Darius Miles, um, for the Players Tribune, and he said, "I wish I had a chance to help them." Speaking of the Sixers and whatnot, um, Kev, you you cover the team during this time. What do you think about Markel Foltz? You know, potentially, like, would he have helped them? You think in the future? Did the did the Sixers give up on him too early? I love how we're we're this is where the state of the Sixers is right now. We're we're relitigating yeah. a 2016, 17, 18 team. First off, I like Markel's answers that he gives in these kinds of settings. Like ever since he's left um, Philly, he's been like pretty like pragmatic about the way that he talks about the Sixers and the fans and the organization. You know, I think he came out last year and said like nothing wrong with the fans. Like they supported me. You know, um, and this time he was you probably take that clip that you're talking about and craft some clickbait headlines with that and say, Markel Fultz thinks he Sixers gave up on him too early. He couldn't help him or whatever. But that was a really like practical answer that he gave where he sort of said, you know, I understand why they got to move me. It's a business. And they were, had a championship window. And, um, you know, I think like you look back at back at that in hindsight now, and it's probably the same as what we all thought back then was that you, it was just a move that you had to do, you know, because we all thought, you know, funny to think that we thought they were in a championship window at that point. So it's like, you got to do this now before you, you start eating an eight figure cap hit for a guy who's coming off the bench or doesn't even have a timeline for recovery. They didn't, they didn't necessarily want to do it, but they kind of had to, you know, they ran up into the thing where Colangelo was gone and then Elton brand and Brett Brown are there and they're fighting for their jobs too. They don't know what the future is going to look like. So, you know, they kind of just did what they had to do and they couldn't, uh, they, they couldn't, they weren't in a position at that point to, to afford to be patient. You know what I mean? But Mark, Markel like understood that, you know, and like, look, the funny, the funny, like most pathetic thing is that when you look at it now, 
you take that group of Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Carson Wentz, Mickey Moniak, Nolan Patrick, Fultz is the best out of those five. Which and is whoa, really whoa, good. whoa. Mickey Moniak is doing well in Los Angeles. Well, oh, easy. The minor leagues. Do the Angels really even exist anyway? Even if he was doing good, you know. Um, but yeah, I, don't I don't think anybody's what, paying attention to that. What's it? But, but Markel had two two more injury years down in Orlando, and like this year, you know, he played sixty games and he maxed out like fourteen points a game through like six or seven assists, grabbed a couple rebounds. I mean, he he hasn't exactly, you know, he's not exactly knocking at the door of like the All Star game, you know. So even even if you had waited around for him to get good, I mean, is that is. 14 points a game in 2024 going to get you over the hump. So I think it was inevitable. I think it was probably just one of those things that was probably good for both, both sides, you know? No. And obviously everything's maximized because Jason Tatum is scoring 51 on us in a, uh, in a game seven and whatnot. But Jansen, what do you think about the whole Markel Fultz situation and his quote? <laughs> he would have never been able to shoot a basketball if he stayed in Philadelphia. Let's be honest. There was a curse placed on him and a curse placed on every draft pick of that era uh, outside of, I guess, Joel Embiid, even though there seems to be a curse placed on him. I Look, I think it was better for him that he went and got, you know, a, a new environment, something else to do new. So, I mean, right now, yeah, would he be a player if he was available and the Sixers had a chance to get him? Would I want to get him? Absolutely. But he needed to he needed to get away from Philadelphia first, whether that was just not getting even away from the fans, because I think Kevin's right. He's always been good with that. Just getting away from the organization in general, uh, because they they were going through it at that time. And I think Fultz is probably better off just in Orlando figuring himself out instead of figuring out what the hell's going on with the, the Sixers. I mean, this is six years ago. We're going on seven years since the 2017 draft. We have Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, who people don't think will ever play again. We have, obviously, Jason Tatum at three. Josh Jackson at four, who played in the G League last year. De'Aaron Fox, who is, was always good, signed the max, but took another step this year. Jonathan Isaac at six, and then Laurie Markinen at seven. I mean, you're looking at that, and you could say what you want about Laurie Markin. I, I think it was kind of a Fugazi, uh, a Fugazi all-star game that he got this year. Um, those top seven... Tatum and Fox really the only the, the only yeah Fox, Fox is only Fox is in that conversation he was great oh yeah. oh yeah yeah and then you That's rounded crazy. out Fra- Frankie yeah. Frankie Smokes from the Knicks Dennis Smith Jr. and Zach Collins at ten I, that, oh, Dennis, I thought Dennis Smith Jr. was going to be a stud too he was I great at NC State. State. Yeah, he was great. Uh, I actually lived when I was in Fayetteville. I lived by his uh, his grade school that he was at where he played high school ball. Uh, so, yeah, I was always he was always on my radar. Big Dennis Smith Jr. guy, really good athlete. Uh, he played great defense this year, but yeah, just not. He's not that good. My claim yeah, to fame I mean, with the Markel stuff was when I asked him in the locker room. I think on his first day, day back, I said, "Hey, did you like? Did you feel something with your shoulder, or do you like know exactly what <laughs> what happened with your shoulder?" And he just stared straight forward in, into wherever he was into the it void. Yeah. And just like completely did not answer the question. And I think Sarah Todd followed up with something and it was just plastered all over ESPN the next day. They played it on first take like a hundred times in a row. And there's my voice in the background asking this like just plain question, but I, he just did not did not even did I, I not agree even with yeah. I agree with Jansen where it's just like I just don't think he, we would have waited for him. Especially they just when couldn't you had afford that. to. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like an N slash A. It's a not applicable thing because they just weren't in a they weren't on timelines that were, you know, congruent with one another. I don't even think they necessarily wanted to give up on him. They just kind of had to. It's like, oh, we got to move on, man. We can't afford to wait. 
you know? Um, yeah. And if they did keep uh, him, I mean, the, the pressure that would have been applied to him to not only figure out whatever is wrong with his shoulder, but then get very good as soon as you figure that out. I mean, he would have had to do that in a really short time frame for the Sixers to, to end up cashing out on keeping him. And it's just, it was never going to happen. I think it was better that he did leave because again, you take the pressure off and then all of a sudden he just thinks about his health, getting healthy and then being good after that. Yeah, thoracic outlet syndrome, man. Russ, Russ, and I did an entire crossing broadcast back then. We call and we put Thoracic Park over a Jurassic Park like dinosaur logo or something, and we kept playing the theme song or whatever. It was comical, all the stuff that happened back then, like like his agent and his mom. This report about his mom putting like cameras in the house and. Yeah, I remember the. I have not quite seen anything like it. The, what you're talking about just there, like the double yeah. clutch on a free throw shot. Yeah, I've right. never yeah. seen anything like what Markel Fultz went through. It literally looked like the Space Jam thing where they just took all of his talent and he just forgot <laughs> how to shoot a basketball. I have yeah. never seen anything like it before. That was my and first. I, I don't know if we're going to see anything like that anytime. So I've never heard of that that injury or or what happened to him. That was my first year doing the Sixers. The first of like the four years or whatever it was. I I Are you just there when. Uh, were you there when JJ Redick yelled at everybody for filming him uh, shooting free throws? <laughs> I remember that. I remember like it was yesterday. Yeah, JJ turned around and said, "Like he's fucking seventeen years old. Like what are you doing?" And then JJ was up to talk that day, so he came over to the scrum and I asked him. I was like, "Hey, you seem like pretty pissed off at us about the Markel thing. You know what? What do you? I mean, what do you think? You know?" And he'd say, you know, "He said like, hey, I don't. You know, this kid's like a teenager. He just came into the league, like." all the scrutiny is unfair. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, dude is the number one pick, man. Uh, you know, people want to know if the guy, if the guy can shoot a free throw. And ironically, the very first question that I ever asked Brett Brown ever, like I literally finished up doing the union stuff. And then like two days later, I was in the Sixers practice facility for the first time. The first question I asked Brett Brown was, uh, do you think we're overrating this thing of Markel not being able to shoot? <laughs> And he's like, yes, I think it's overrated. It's not an issue. And then it became like the biggest issue of all time. <laughs> that the guy just could not shoot. He could just double clutch and could not get his you know, hands over his head, thoracic outlet syndrome. So it like gives me, you know, PTSD to this day. I mean, like it's crazy how much you start, you start to talk about this topic and then all of this stuff starts to come back up that you like subconsciously filed away. And you're like, I can't believe we lived through this shit. Like that was well, insane. That's the thing. You know? Yeah. Everything that happens, and then you kind of look at the heat, and the heat have been in uh now two finals in the last four years. Like, when does Daryl Morey sell his soul to the devil? Like Pat Riley has obviously sold his soul to the devil. Like, is Daryl Morey being selfish for not making a deal with the devil that he'll actually win the title one day and not be one of the most overrated GMs in the uh, NBA? When does that happen? He's got his work cut out for him, man. Like, I just don't see – I don't think we got into the Fred Van Vliet stuff very much. There was a report from that guy at Clutch Points. I don't know who the fuck he is or what his name is, Brett something. <laughs> but um, And if he's right, I'll go back and give him all the credit in the world, right? I just don't know him. He doesn't have a track record. But inevitably, you, like, people – When you work for gonna, a company that, that is more known for their Photoshops than their NBA reporting, I think that's a fair analysis. Some of the yeah. most insane graphics. I actually think they should be jailed for some of the graphics. Yeah, Clutch Points is terrible. Let's not beat around the bush. Clutch Points is a terrible outlet. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe Brett something has a source. I don't know. We said on the show, man, we're not going to question anybody's sources because all you got to do is like stumble into one thing and you're good. I mean, everybody talks shit about Joe Santa Laquito when he did the Carson Wentz thing. And then, you know, so yeah. if I, I learned anything in the industry, me, by the way, I have not gotten an unblock from Joe Santa Laquito. <laughs> All right, I'll oh, tell him to unblock you. But um, well, this, he he's not the only one now. Emmanuel Acho has also blocked me. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. I think I still have Acho's number. I'll give you his number and you can call Do you him. really? Yeah, because yeah, he came on like Channel 3 way back in the day. Before he, I don't, I don't want to hear one of his sermons about sports. Just, prepare, just prepare yourself to have a very uncomfortable conversation, okay? We knew that um, you know Fred Van Vliet was like inevitably – wherever Nick Nurse went, people were going to say, okay, well, maybe Fred Van Vliet is going to opt out of his thing and follow him wherever, Phoenix, Milwaukee, Philly or whatever. Um, I, I don't think – like, like, look. Fred Van Vliet was can opt into twenty two million this year. If Harden comes back, it's thirty five million. I know the Sixers have cap issues. They can get they can make it work with Fred Van Vliet if he wants to be here. How much better? Like this is the thing that we keep coming back to. It's like if you replace James Harden with Fred Van Vliet, do you get any better than you were, or do you stay the same? And if you do stay the same, is that enough? You know, it's a small backcourt with him and Maxi, but Van Vliet's a good defender. He was getting all NBA defensive team votes two years ago. People just look at him and they think he's small and they're like, oh, he's going to, you know, it's going to suck. But he gives a lot of effort. He deflects balls. He, you know, I think he's been top 20 in steals the last four years. So I don't, I don't know if that's something that I don't know if he makes you any better, but I don't think I don't think you get any worse, you know, but is that good? Enough? Yeah, I, I think the good thing, the one positive you would get is his age. He's not Harden's age. He would be fresh by the end of the year. He could last a playoff run. So I think that is a positive, and I think we got to start looking at Harden's age and figuring that he's probably going to get worse as the years go on, and even next year we could probably see regression from what he did. I mean, he did lead the league in assists, but that's the that's the hard part for me is Harden was a great facilitator, better than I think a lot of people gave him credit for, even though he led the league in assists. You know, I don't think it's appreciated how good of a passer he is, and I think in turn helped Maxi turn a corner. And Maxi was so much better with James Harden on the floor to the point where even when Maxi was the sixth man, he needed Harden. And I think you kind of saw that. And so they had to put him back in the starting lineup and Maxi looked like himself again. So I, I think Fred Van Fleet is a good passer. I think he's fine. I think he even upped his, he had a career high in assists, I think, seven assists last year. So I think he's he's getting better as a passer and as a, as a point guard, but I don't think he's as good as james harden was or is and i think losing that part of your game would concern me a little bit now i i think he could potentially be a better shooter again the age thing is certainly something you have to factor in uh, but i would hate to lose that part of the sixers game because i think when harden was passing as well as he did and when he wasn't turning the ball over that was when the sixers were probably at their best that's when game five I thought that Harden was better than games one or four Harden. Game five Harden was the best one. And that's because everybody got involved and he made sure of it. Yeah, Van Vliet is one of those dudes who's like kind of like he was an all-star last year, but he's always like been straddling the line between that like tier one, tier two, you know. Fred Van Vliet probably lives somewhere where Aaron Noel lives right now, you know, where he's like sort of straddling. Like he's like a tweener. He's not he's not like he has the all-star appearance, but, I mean, you're not building a team or, or around him. You know what I mean? But you don't have to when you got him beat. So, so that's the thing with me. I don't, I don't know. I, and I don't like Maxi. I don't like the thought of Maxi as a point guard because I think he's shown a lot as a, as a two-guard. I mean, as a, as a combo guy who can catch and shoot now. Um, so I don't know if putting the ball in his hands in the half court – you can't do that. He's not any, to does do anything. It. Well, that's it's not good enough. It's just that he doesn't have that skill. He doesn't have that skill set to play the true point guard spot. He is he is a two guard, but he's an undersized two guard. So that's yeah. why the Maxi thing too is I love Maxi and I think he's great, but I I do think we sometimes see a ceiling that he hits. That yeah, he's a he's a straight up two guard that is a little undersized, 
And that causes a lot of problems, especially defensively. It causes problems. But then offensively, there is only certain parts of his game that are, you could say, elite. I think his catch and shoot ability is elite. His, his handles, at least off the ball and getting to the lane because of his speed is elite. But there are a lot of things that he is definitely constricted by because of the type of player he is and the size that he is. Fred Van Vliet comes to Philly. Where is he at in your top 25 current Philly athletes oh, there? God. Yeah. So we brought the we had to bring on a sports radio guy to do the sports a radio. True guy. sports radio guy. I think that's a purebred sports radio guy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an, that's an insult to Jansen. In yeah, order to do a list, a classic okay. sports radio list, we had to get a sports radio guy on here. You know, the funny thing is that like we don't even do this every year. I went back and looked, and the last time we tried to do a top twenty-five Philly athletes list, it was twenty eighteen. Um, it was a hilarious list. By the way. Carson Wentz was number one. Joel Embiid oh, was Joel Embiid was number two. <laughs> Guess who was number three? Aaron Holes. Nola, number wow. three. Yeah, First Claude Giroux four. was four. Claude Giroux was four. Malcolm Jenkins was five. Lane Johnson was six. Ben Simmons was number seven. And then eight, nine, ten, we had Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Reese Hoskins. Where's Jason uh, Kelsey? Let me see. We had that a, Brand- no. That was uh, that wasn't a down year for Kelsey, was it? That was a good year. Brandon wasn't necessarily down year for Kelsey, but I feel like in the last, like he's he's built a career of being like very popular in this city. But I feel yeah. like the last three three years is when he yeah, became gotten, uber gotten uber yeah. popular. Brandon Brooks eleven, Zach Ertz twelve, Jason Kelsey thirteen, Jake Voracek was fourteenth, Nigel Bradham fifteen, then sixteen through twenty was Alshon Jeffrey. Nigel Bradham, Nick Foles. Is this terms of popularity or like legit athlete. Mm, like legit athlete. I mean, Bradham okay, so was actually best, really best in what they do type of athlete. Yeah, the, and and so we're gonna do the exercise for this year with John. And basically, the criteria is it, this is what's hard about this because you know we always have this argument too. It's like we're gonna put union players on there. We're not gonna we're gonna do four for four. We're gonna whatever. But I, I like my criteria. I think is the best at their respective sport in their respective league. So because I can't, I'm not I'm not gonna do a list. And like, like, like Andre Blake should be on the list, you know, but I can't tell you I if agree. Andre Blake is better. I can't tell you if Andre Blake is better than Travis connecting. I don't fucking, you know, you're doing cross sport comparisons here, but you know, if we're going to say, all right, the premier league doesn't exist over here. And these union guys are really, really good in their respective leagues and in what they do. Then I think they go on the list, but if you wanted to separate it out and you wanted to do a four for four one, that's fine. If you want to do a separate thing and say, these are the, the, you know, union guys or the wings player that we would add in here, we can do that too. So, but See, for I, for the for the for the sake of this exercise, I know you fucking have your thing with the wings. You get all like I, like annoyed when I bring up Mitch I, Jones. I, I just I have one point and one point only. I don't okay. think you should be a top twenty five athlete when you play in a league that not the best players play in that league. What? Well, but but again, like the NLL is the be, is in box indoor lacrosse. Like that's that's, that's a different that's, it's a different style of lacrosse. It's the sure. best. I know but there's, there's crossover. The there's crossover from players in both. Yeah, but I they think, don't. Right? They, the best players play in the PLL, and the NLL has some PLL players, but not every PLL player. Okay, so let's say for the sake of the exercise, Mitch Jones, who had an amazing friggin' year, one of the best wing seasons that you'll ever see. We'll put him off on the side. I'll never okay? forget. We'll put him off to the side, right? Dude, I will <laughs> never forget the Mitch Jones. Yeah, I'm sorry. You sent a list with Mitch Jones on that list, and I – that was the first name. I told what you. is so what is so annoying to you guys about like trying to give somebody credit for having an amazing season as a Philly athlete in a, in a, in I don't a, know. That's, that's almost to, to Kyle's thing. Like I wouldn't put anybody from the soul on this list. 
Let's put the Philadelphia Stars. Who's the quarterback from the Philadelphia Stars that went down Case last year? Let Case him do a Super Bowl, though. Case on the list? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, the star, but the Stars are playing the same exact sport as the Eagles are, right? If you want to go arena, fo- arena football is fundamentally a different sport, right? So I'm never going to put a Stars player. I'm not going to put um, – you know, um, I guess it, I guess it is just the reputation of the league, I guess, or where we put the league, because I can say at least yeah. MLS, that is it's not the highest form of soccer. But you look at the that some of these teams, they are very good and they do have great talent that are getting shipped well, and, on. And, over and, to Andre, and Andre Blake is an MLS goalkeeper. There is also the, the captain of the Jamaica national team. Right. Too. You can take it outside of of that shit. Right. I mean, like you can go national teams. You can talk about all that. Exactly. Stuff. And I, I, I think I, it's just me, maybe because I've. I definitely pay attention to the union a lot that I put MLS on a higher pedestal than I would an LL. I'm, NLL or I'm conceding. I'm conceding hmm. fo- uh, soccer, football, excuse me, football. Yeah. I'm conceding <laughs> football. So how about we do real, real quick. We'll do, we'll make the list four for four, but Jansen and I can very quickly for the people who understand this on the podcast, if we were going to include union players in the list, Blake would definitely be on there. Obviously Blake would be on there. Jacob sure. Glessness would be on there. Yep. Reigning defender of the year, best player on the team right now outside of Blake. Kai Wagner probably would go on. Best left back, I think, in MLS. And I mean, you can make a case for Gaj Dog or Jose Martinez, you know? Like those, Ooh, those are the Carranza? four five guys that I would that I would put on the Carranza, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I he's think, on yeah, fire I lately. I mean, if you gotta do it, yeah, if you're looking at it in this very moment, you can put him on. I'd probably put him there above Brujo. But I, I, I yeah, can't. So I only had two union players on on my top twenty five list. Yeah, you would at least have to have Blake and Glasses. I think we can live with that. And then Bobby yep. from South Philly, you know, is is whatever. He's not too angry. I don't. I don't think you know. That may, um, but let me Bobby. let me just. Is that a real caller? I don't know which ones are fake or not. Real quick, I, I heard Herbert and Northeast. Isn't that um? Isn't that a regular on WIP? Yeah, I, he's I a, he's into a, that one. Okay. Yeah, he's a real yeah. caller. The last five dudes from the 2018 list were Odubel Herrera, Sean oh. Sean Couturier, Robert Covington, Shane Gossesbear, and Jason Peters. How many dudes are still oh, on that? Are there under or over five players that are still on that list five years later in Philly still? It's under. Wow. It's under. That was yeah. like five years ago. I know I know sports moves. They're both in the top ten. And they're both in the top ten. They actually moved up, I think, believe it or not. So so let's do it this way. So let's go from one to twenty-five. And I have like a loose list here that I'm kind of working on. I put it on Twitter last night to kind of get some ideas from readers to see what they liked and what they didn't like to see if there was any like egregious one that we missed. Look, whenever I put this out to somebody, like I got San Filippo, Anthony San Francisco involved in this too. He wanted to put 25 Phillies in the top 25, right? Cause he's a baseball <laughs> guy, right? I don't know hockey. So I leaned on him. I had two flyers in here, but we can just kind of talk through it. And then we'll I have, I think on. one flyer. If you're in, if you're in the chat, I mean, participate, feel free to like chime in. And if you think these are mm-hmm. fugazi or not, number one, it's either Jalen hurts or Bryce Harper. I'm cool what with either or. Between, is, is I'm cool with either or. It's a it's a top quarterback in the NFL. That's got to be that's got to be number one. I would say I had I had Hertz number one because like his his he's currently at the pinnacle of Philly sports. Bryce yeah. Harper has an MVP recently and just went to the World Series. But Jalen Hurts just went to the Super Bowl and played well enough to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, second so in MVP voting. Yeah, I got like no, I have nothing separating those two. I think I'm giving the edge to Hertz just because I f- just feel it a little bit more. So like number one, is anybody going to have a problem with us putting Hertz one? And no, Harper and I think you got to go a positional value. I think does have something to do with this as well. And Hertz being a top five quarterback, you could say in the NFL. I mean that's that's got to be number one in any city. And I think it's. I mean he's a great athlete too. 
the, the fact that he is a, a running quarterback and also can throw as well as he does. Yeah, I, I think Hurts has to be number one. And I, that's coming from me. I love Harper. I think Harper's uh, been one of the, the best hitters in baseball for the past couple of seasons, and I think he doesn't even get enough credit for that. But Hurts, Hurts has to be number one. I, think. I don't think we're going to get much pushback on that. A couple of people on Twitter saying that they thought it should have been reversed, but I think they're baseball guys. I mean, sure, you're going to have a proclivity yeah. to like lean towards whatever sport you like better. It is what it is. We don't we don't have to sit here and waste a lot of time like having those arguments. I, but I think I, I think Hurts I, one, Harper two is fine. I I do. I know Embiid's coming up at three, and it's just it's crazy because he finally gets that MVP, leads the league in scoring. If he gets past the second round, maybe it makes a finals run. Does he bump Harper out? I would argue yes. Because because unfortunately, well, there's going to be some bias. There's going to be some bias in here. Like you're gonna you're gonna root for the guy yeah. who you like more. I'm a Hertz guy over Harper guy, but you could argue that I'm an Embiid guy over Harper if he does what I just. Described. You could have put Embiid, Embiid if Embiid was still playing right now, or he went to the Eastern Conference Finals and got the got the Sixers to like six or seven against the Heat. You can make a case that he's number one. You know, I mean, yeah. guys, you guys, could. I, I think for me, for Harper, that postseason run cemented his legacy in in so yeah. many ways because that was that was not just he was good and he had a couple of good moments. He was he had maybe one of the best postseason runs I've seen a Philly have ever. I mean, in, in my lifetime, I think that was yeah. remarkable. And to add on that, the MVP, to add on that, the numbers that, you know, he's top five in baseball in a lot of these numbers, especially OPS know, and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's hard, but if Embiid would have made that run, yeah, because everybody, you know, Embiid is the guy that we really treasure because he, he came up in the process era and he was the, the prized possession of it. I, I To me, is Harper, yeah. Harper is better in his sport, I would say. I know I, know I abuse this a lot, but I do – find it to be true i i don't think it's a one and two thing i think it's like one who's one a and who's one b because they're both number one they both have a compelling case to be number one for the sake of the exercise we'll say hurts one harper two i had him beat at three i'm not gonna like you know i know this i know we're all down on Embiid right now he's still the reigning mvp i had him at three i had that's a AJ strong three for any for any sports city that is a strong three I put that up former, with a, a reigning, a, a current MVP, a former MVP, and the guy who finished second in the MVP. I mean, what the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's pretty damn. I, I mean, I'd like, yeah, let's not like lose sight of that just because we're down on on Philly sports in general right now. I mean, that's a pretty damn good thing to have there. But so yeah, and, like, and and one even we get the number four. I yeah. think I have this guy a lot higher because he's come into Philadelphia and not had a great start. But even Trey Turner has been an MVP candidate before. And even as as so, much as last year, so Turner's Turner's going to be the hard one ranking here because of how bad yeah. he started with the Phillies. But in terms of the the type of caliber player that he is, he is way up on this list. So Craig, Craig why don't you let's go? Yeah, yeah, pull pull that whole thing up because we were we were talking with Anthony. Anthony was really really pushing me to have Trey Turner up there, and I had Turner at nine. I know I, I know we're all down on the Phillies right now, but I don't want that to like influence. I, I don't want it to be like oh we push them all down to like twenty five or something. So what I what I had for the top eight was Hertz, Harper, and Bead, AJ Brown, Jason Kelsey, Hassan Reddick, Lane Johnson, and Devontae Smith. And then Trey Turner, I had him slotted in at nine there, just based on like what we thought he was going to be, what we saw at the World Baseball Classic, what we know he can be. Um, if, if if that's the case, if you think nine is too high, then tell me who goes who who goes above him: Castellanos, Wheeler, JT. JT at thirteen, I think, is a little low. I, JT in the second half last year had he finished top ten in the MVP voting. I think JT needs to be right there on that top ten. Does yeah, anybody have an issue though? Do you, do you I, I think he's just 
he's going to regress at some point because he is a 32 year old catcher. So just, just by going off of what I think he's going to be for the rest of this season and, and moving forward, I did have him a little bit. I think I had him 13th too. I kept him in that same spot. Okay. But re- okay. Re- before we get too far ahead of ourselves here, does anybody have a problem with that top eight? Some people on Twitter thought they, that Kelsey should have been higher than AJ Brown. I think they thought that Lane Johnson was too low, but I don't, but again, if you're, I don't know who he jumps. I mean, you're putting Johnson, but Reddick right now, Reddick just had like a career year. Uh, Kelsey's fantastic. So here, here's yeah, I have Reddick. I have Reddick. Reddick at six, like you, but I have him above Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Devontae. I, I I was gonna say that I would put us on Reddick above Jason Kelsey. I mean that 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 last year that 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 stat line was amazing. So you had yeah. so you guys even, had even Brown. back before he got to Philadelphia and how important defensive yeah. end is and rushing the quarterback is now. Yeah, I think Reddick has to be. Has to be above. So you guys. have so you guys have Brown, Reddick, Kelsey, Johnson. Yeah, that's what I have. Yeah, I mean, it's offensive linemen are so hard to <laughs> to rank, but because you could, I, I think you could make a case and probably should put Johnson over Kelsey because he's a right tackle and that's a more important position than center. But Kelsey, Kelsey provides a lot of other things that. And Kelsey's like, tough again to, superficial things that that's it, always hard to judge. Like he's a great leader and and good veteran guy in the locker room, things like that, but. Yeah, I think but, what, what does the average dipshit like us know about playing the center position anyway? I think like yeah. people see him chugging beers and being a fan favorite and having this longevity. And so they're like, you got to put him up like high. I'm like, can I put a center on the top five? True. Really he was list he, he was literally the catalyst to the double cheek push. And we know how much that yeah. uh, th- that helped out this year. That was 90 Lane Johnson to three. John's point, because he's saying Lane Johnson plays tackle. If he played left tackle, he'd be in the top five easily. Oh, absolutely. To the point where, like, I think Jordan Maialata can can make a case for the top 15. Yeah. Honestly, I have uh, close. Let's go 10 to 15 right now because I got a couple uh I got a couple thoughts on that. Everyone good? Yeah, well, let me but let me ask you this real quick, Kyle. Okay. Like, are we so James Harden has a player option? Technically, he's not even a I mean, do we consider him a Philly athlete right now? I mean, would would he even go on this list? I guess the season just ended, I would say, right? Yeah. 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 The season just ended. Well, we can put him on this list. Just we're going to include him on the. Okay. All right. Are we, is Dallas Goddard too low? He's, he's like a top three tight end in the NFL, one of the most premier positions in a, in a tight end group in the NFL. That's one of the best it's been in the last 20 years. Like who, 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 who's better than him? Travis Kelsey? Not I mean, many. Kittle um, had a down Travis year. Travis Kelsey, George Mark Kittle. But I would still, I would still put Kittle over him. It's very close. Kyle Pitts, if Atlanta ever decides to use him, I would say is better. But I mean, he. What are you saying now? He's a top three to five tight end. So yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean, it's hard I mean, to. I have him in my top. Five. I have him at fourteen. So I, I have would him say he's over Tyrese Maxey for me. I'm yep. selfishly, I would say he's over Andre Blake for me. I don't watch the Union. Let's just make that. Out there and stuff. I know goaltender of the year, captain, blah, blah, blah. I would say even Dallas Goddard's probably over Nick Cassianos. I think Nick Cassianos is way too high. I like Cassianos. I think I think Cassianos is too high. I 100% agree on that. Yeah. I have Cassianos at 15. I actually, there's a Philly not even on this list that I have in Cassianos' spot, and that is Zach Wheeler. You put Wheeler up in the top 15? I would. Wheeler's yeah. been a Cy Young candidate. He was number two. Uh, even when he came back after his injury last year, still had an ERA sub three. And I know the ERA is a mid three right now, but he just put up a start that would suggest that he's probably going to be back at his sub three ERA. So between that, in that trio of Cassianos, Real Muto, and Wheeler, would you go Wheeler, JT, mm-hmm. and then Cassianos? Yep, order? I'm going Wheeler, Wheeler, JT, Cassianos. Yeah. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Uh, this is the tough part too, because you get to that clump of Phillies where it's kind of like, you know, how do you how do you separate them out? I know Schwarber's not playing well right now, but you, I mean, you can make a case that he's it's somewhere between you know thirteen and seventeen or eighteen. I don't even know where I. Schwarber was a really tough one for me because I'm actually a Schwarber guy. Everybody looks at his average and. You know, a lot of a lot of baseball diehards are all one sixty six terrible. Or I think I accidentally. Yeah. But I I love what he provides, but he is he's too streaky for me to be putting up that high on this list. I think I accidentally left Schwarber out. I think I put the wrong. Oh, list sorry, here. Mitch Jones, yeah. you're out. Yeah. Well, this was an. I think I made a different version of this list. And um, glad twenty seven athletes though, Mitch, you'll back back on. Thanks for coming on that show that one time. Yeah, we'll um, see about that until Kevin remembers another athlete that he forgot. Yeah, so Schwarber, I forgot to put on the list, or maybe I moved somebody around and didn't replace him. So, uh, so Wheeler's we get not down. on the list either. Who's not on the list? Wheeler's not on the list. No, he's yeah, down. He didn't at, have Wheeler uh, on the list. I didn't see Wheeler at oh, all. I thought I had him at seventeen. Oh, I must have uh, forgot to. I must. Sorry, have Mitch Jones, you might make the top twenty-eight. <laughs> oh, he's an honorable. He's an honorable <laughs> mention now. An honorable <laughs> mention. Yeah. So we so we like Wheeler, Real Muto, Castellanos. Are, are we in agreement that you put like Goddard ahead of Maxi? Yeah, I put God, I did put Goddard ahead of Maxi. I actually it, put Jordan Maialata ahead of Maxi too. A left tackle for the Eagles probably yeah. more important than like the third number three guy on the Sixers right now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I, I I can go along with that. Maialata into the top fifteen, Maxi down. Um, where do we go then from like you know that clump of like Nola Bohm, Stott, Darius Slay? The only two flyers I had were Carter Hart and Travis Konechny. Brandon Marsh was on the list. And then your guy, Mitch Jones and Glessness, Kyle. Um, My boys. I don't, I don't know how to separate out that club. I mean, Bradbury, I guess you could make a case for Bradbury as well. Bradbury, I, I put on the list. I put him and Darius Slate together. And I put Darius Slate just over him because, you know, I, I think he's been better throughout his career. But we are talking about a younger cornerback who's probably had seen the best days in front of him. Where are we putting – how do you position that club of Nola, Bohm, Stott? So I have Nola – Nola's pitched too well throughout his career and is even last year. I mean, he was a Cy Young candidate most of the year. So he's he's too good for me not to put you know over those guys despite the way he's playing and it's really concerning. But I to me, Stott needs to prove a little bit more to me. He had clutch hits last year, but his numbers were way down and he doesn't have enough power so far. He looks like Nick Castellanos last year, just trying to get some good contact and some soft contact that is finding holes. Not to say he's been bad, but I think Bohm has actually turned into a better player and Brandon Marsh has actually looked better than both. And so my perception of March Marsh even changed from when he went to Los Angeles to even here to Philly, because he's, he's performing way above expected. And I think he's even kept that to a high enough level that I've never seen Stott or Bohm play at. So I think Marsh to me has to be higher on this list. And also he's a young guy too. So he could continue this and, and get better. I mean, Darius Slay just had an all-pro year. Darius Slay, yeah. yeah. Darius Slay, I have it. I think he's got to be. He, he, uh, you can you can argue seventeen at Nola. You could argue eighteen, Darius Slay. Like I'd I'd be okay with that. And if they interchanged, they interchanged. But uh, I agree with 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 Johnny. I'm going to need to see a little bit more from Bryson Stott. He started the year on fire and whatnot. I kind of need a little bit more from Alec Bohm too. Um, obviously, you know he could rip and hit for hit for power and hit for average, but. Yeah, I mean, I think just Darius Slay. I mean, that's he's he's one of the top five corners in his in his league right now. So, and yeah. it, would you say Alec Bohm's a top five third baseman? Probably not. Oh I mean, no. Would anybody, no, no. Would, would anybody have an issue with this uh, 
Real Muto at 11. Say we put Blake in there at 12, leaving the 12. Wheeler, Goddard, Maialata, Maxi, Slay, Nola. That's fine. That's that's yeah. pretty much that cluster I have in a, in a bit of a different order, but not by much. So I and would then maybe it. 19, you go Bradbury. And then you get into, you know, Stott and Boehm at some point there. But again, I need a Flyers fan to chime in here if we got any in the. In the I, see, I have Carter Hart at 21. I definitely have Hart on the list because. Carter Hart been, 21 is perfect. I think that's, think that's perfect. Fine, right yeah. outside the top 20. Yeah. Um, I mean, so let's, you might not so even this list in a month if uh, Danny Briere gets his way with a, with a phone call or two. My God. Okay, so say that we have Bradbury at 19 then. Then that gives us six spots left for Carter Hart. Travis Konechny should be on there. Brandon Marsh and get, and get rid of Glessness and Jones. The only other guys that I had down here for honorable mentions were like Josh Sweat, Avante Maddox. Honestly, like, honest to God, man, you can make a case that Jake Elliott, like, Jake Elliott's one of the best kickers in, in the league. He's good. It's, it's hard, yeah. Yeah, hard to put a yeah. – Where does Boston that, Scott come on this if he's just playing Scott. strictly 18 games against the Giants? Is he number one or two? Top five. Yeah, top five for, for making me money probably, yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was trying to think of another eagle to put on this. Um, and defensive Dickerson. line obviously was the easiest one, so sweat. But I, I couldn't get there because he's he's getting better, but I don't think he's had that kind of season yet. Yeah. I mean, DeAndre Swift was a top prospect in college. He was, uh, you know, top scouting running back prospect when he went to the NFL draft, and he's been good. Just didn't get a chance in Detroit too much, I, for whatever reason. Why? So I think if you want to add another eagle, because I would not be against putting too many eagles on this because they're very clearly the best team in the city. So it may be Swift, but that would be the only one I would, I would make an argument for. In the top twenty-five. Yeah, that's interesting because I was, try- you know, I, I waited purposefully, purposely, purposefully to uh, purposely to the summer to do it now because there's only the two teams playing, and most people like only are really follow most of the four for fours are only following the Philly. So there's not a lot of movement right now. Like it's pretty much settled. There's not a lot of new guys coming in or like you know games. So there's not a lot of variation there. But yeah, out of the new Eagles that they just added, look, I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna put like Jalen Carter or. No, no one's. No, we haven't seen him play a damn game. I know Kyle know. did make a, a face because Carter is that that big of a prospect that yeah. you would you maybe slide. put him in this list. I would like to see something though. I would like to see something before I do that. So but yeah, me, he's he's certainly potential. I think we're he missing could, one. He could if be I can, close to top fifteen can, after one year on this list. If I could throw one out there, I think we are missing one. I think we're missing Ooh. Jose Alvarado. I was thinking that was one that I had yeah. an honorable mention for. Because I just don't know where to place relief pitchers. But he's yeah. if we're going by what he is in, in terms of his his positional uh, value, he is the best one of, if not the best, relief pitchers in baseball for Yeah, I think he I think over the second half of last season, the World Series run and everything, and now how he started yeah. before he went on the IL, I think he put it together enough body of work to be like, Hey, sorry, Mitch Jones, you're gonna be in the top thirty, maybe top thirty two now. Yeah. Well, I mean here's the I thing. think you can make a strong case for him to be. It's just how much or- you put on a poor Mitch Jones. I hope it's not a contract year for the guy. Well, the funny thing too is that they <laughs> traded for him like halfway through the year, and I think he's still in. He only played. How do you even know that? How do you know that? He came um, on the program. Kevin did all his research. Oh, did he? Oh my god! No, I I, I I watched like like the last four Wings games. Honestly, how were they? And, uh, they were okay. I don't know. They can't they can't win close games. <laughs> uh, it's like they're. A, Typical Philly team or something. Um, but uh, they traded. I love for- we got strong analysis on this. 
they traded uh, they traded for him halfway through the season and he was like third on the team in points so i don't know if that says more about him or about the other uh, yeah yeah listen so you can so you can go anywhere with number 25 then i mean you could go with alvarado like Avante Maddox is a pretty damn good slot corner. Landon Dickerson, yeah, Elliott, Josh, Josh Sweat had a bunch of sacks. I don't know who I don't know if I'm missing any Eagles. I feel like there's another Eagle that you could you could put in there, but let me let me read what at least what I have. So we got Hertz, Harper, Embiid, AJ Brown, Hassan Reddick, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Devontae Smith, Trey Turner, James Harden, top 10. Then we have Real Muto, Blake. Wheeler, Goddard, Maialata, number 16, Maxi, 17, Slay, Nola, Bradbury, Bohm, Carter Hart at 21, Bryson Stott at 22, Travis Konechny at 23, then Marsh and Alvarado, 24 and 25. Wow, you took off Glesnes? Well, Glesnes. Yeah, at that point, you would have to take off. What'd you say, John? I put Alvarado over Marsh. Be just because Marsh is, it's still just about a year now, you would say of a sample size of him actually being a, a good, really good MLB player. So you would have yeah. to see more, but I think Marsh certainly deserves to be in the top 25. Again, and that's factoring in age. He is a very young player. He's a former number one prospect in Major League Baseball. And the fact that we're seeing these kind of flashes from him make me think that this is, I don't know, legit, but this this might be an actually really good player. The Phillies. That's true. Once he once he throws to the cutoff man more than one time in a row, I think that's when he kind of gets bumped up to the top twenty. <laughs> Is that what we're waiting for? Hey, we're a Phillies player with no man. fundamentals, you know that he fits right in. Center <laughs> fielder with no fundamentals, shocking. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's he a, came it's, in as a defensive guy too, and not an offensive player. If Look if Brandon Marsh runs his face into the city field wall tonight, does he become top twenty instantly? <laughs> There's a, there's a statue for Aaron Rowan that's still waiting to be commissioned outside of the I love how that's Park. all it takes. Like PJ Tucker just got in Embiid's ear for a minute and yeah, he really got at this, Paul this, Reed. This best Philly athlete ever. He's amazing. Yeah, he yelled at Let Paul Reed on the bench, who's like 23 years old and was like a second round pick. And he's <laughs> right. like, dude, I love that PJ Tucker guy, top 25. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's weird because, like, obviously the teams that have the biggest rosters are going to have the most guys on the list, right? I mean, there's only the Sixers only have, you know, five dudes are on the floor at once. Yep. So they're, they're not going to be as represented, but there's 10 Eagles on the list, two flyers, which feels generous. Um, Phillies, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight Phillies. We had one union guy and then two, three, three Sixers, three Sixers. Yeah, I think Tobias Harris. Harris. Anybody want to? I was about to say, anyone want to make a case for Tobias Harris in the top twenty-five? I thought I mean, about it for a second and immediately <laughs> went no. If you remove the contract from, I mean, if he yeah. was if if he was averaging what he was averaging on like a twenty million dollar contract, I mean, would we would that change? See, again, it's like, is that influencing our thinking? Like, are we are we? Yeah. Judging his inclusion on the list based on his salary. I mean, that's certainly it. It has done that with my thinking because I I'm also thinking that. Marsh is a young player and he can do better moving forward. And that's why I think Bradbury, you can make a case for putting over Slay because I think better days are ahead of Bradbury than Slay. So I think that it, it has affected my thinking, I would say a little bit. But I would go. I, I don't know, know in the case of Tobias Harris. I just don't know how good he is. But I, I don't know if he really, your fourth guy in a lineup, your fourth, fourth scorer should be a top 25 
uh, on your list. I don't know. So, so our honorable mentions then, if we if we would stick with something like that, would be Josh Sweat, Avante Maddox, Landon Dickerson, Jake Elliott, Tobias Harris. Um, any other flyers worth a shit? I mean, Kevin Hayes no. would be here. The backup, the backup goalie, Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Ersh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he Whoever might be the draft, starter. Who are they drafting? Whoever they draft in the NHL draft. No, here's a, here's an actual real question. Like, seriously, like, who's the next Philadelphia Flyer who would enter the list? Is it Owen Tippett? Cutter like, Gauthier. He's tearing Cutter up Gautier. the world right now. Yeah, you know? So, I don't know. Is there any chance to get Connor Bedard? Or whatever that guy's name is? No. Any chance? <laughs> okay. No. Not at pick number seven. <laughs> not unless he... Are uh, pick number seven? Out. Yeah, not unless... Car- we're going to be the top five running. at least. Not unless uh, Connor Bedard is seen smoking a bong right before the draft. Look, so, uh, I know Kyle. You can dig up some stuff, so you're you're gonna have to go to work here. You're gonna have to dig I up will. something. I'll go to Regina. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, for, hey, Ford wanted to let us know that it's a good segment, but it's dragging way too long. Ford is our resident oh. Celtics fan in the yeah. chat. He really Florida is also. Ford has also guessed my age at either 16 or 17 earlier. In the Ford show. likes to roast the guests. It's it's really good. It's really great. Yeah. I don't think he knows. I'm about to be 29 years old, and I look like I'm 16. That's actually, yeah. dude. That's awesome. I, someone was like, I don't know. Is that said, awesome? No, that no. Would you, would you rather look 29 and look like you're going on 45? Someone thought I'd I was 25. At least look like I'm in my 20s. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd rather look like an adult. I, I would. I would hope so. No, I think that was fine good. for. for I think that was perfectly timed because we were wrapping it up just as Ford started to lodge his first complaint. So I think the time yeah. length of that was perfect. Yeah, we're about an hour in. That's true. Our time of possession. I, you know. <laughs> our, our time of complaints on Ford is actually getting better. It's getting. It's like it started at Chip Kelly, where he would just yeah. he would just complain like the first five minutes into the podcast, but now he's complaining at the first. The 58 minutes of the podcast. So we've gone from Chip Kelly to now we're at like Doug Peterson level. It's giving the compliment. He says he looks young. It's all, it could be worse. You could have these gray hairs. Maybe, right. Maybe I'm just not taking a compliment and I should take it. Yeah. Maybe. I, yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm a compliment. And Ford okay. doesn't deliver a lot of compliments. No. So <laughs> good. <laughs> That was a good exercise. I like a good exercise on the on the program. You know? I don't exercise outside of this, so that's, that's right. I'm, yeah. And now, now we've done the work for me, so I just have to fill in the blanks on the page here that I can press publish. You guys got any uh, any other thoughts? Anything else you want to touch on? Any uh, thoughts about Ocean City, New Jersey, getting ransacked by uh, by children, sending the <laughs> sending yeah, sending America's you know greatest resort Tell, town away. Those kids, I don't know if I should be this terrified because I look like I'm a teenager, so I could just fit right in, I guess. But those those kids terrify the hell out of me. Me too. I feel like they're going to make me look like such a dumbass at some point and make me look like do something on TikTok. Like, oh, look how look at this kid True. doing this dumb thing. Like, I just can I just be a normal 28 year old out with my nieces and nephews just doing normal, normal. You're afraid someone's going to get you on TikTok and you're going to go viral. I doing really something do. stupid? I, I, yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to be like, look at look at this dumbass. Look at how he eats an ice cream cone. What an idiot. You're like, All right. Well, that's 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 messed up. He called the sprinkles. I, I am, I am afraid of that because even oh. I mean, even little ones like my my six year old niece now just makes me makes me feel like an idiot. We'll just point out all these flaws that I have. Like what kids are ruthless, and then yeah, you get to being a teenager, and now they're smarter and and know uh, more ways to to make you look foolish. Yeah. So yeah, they scare the hell out of me. I don't have anything else. I thought Alex Coffey's Inquirer <laughs> column on the um, 
the WNBA thing in the Sixers arena. I thought that was interesting. Probably another you probably discussion. You were like the first one. You like the first one on that in your fifty hottest takes. Was say that again? You wrote that exact column for two weeks ago on your fifty hottest takes, saying that the Sixers would benefit from including a WNBA team in their arena expansion. Like that's a yeah, brilliant I mean, idea. Well, because look, I mean, if they wanted to like sell people on, I mean, one of the biggest questions that they have right now is like, well, what are you going to do with all the nights that the Sixers aren't playing there? You know, and I'm like, well, I mean, the the WNBA thing, you kind of kill two birds with one stone, right? There's 40 more nights that you fill there. And um, you know, I just you don't got, see how they know. would get music. And I don't know how that works in booking, you know, venues and what works, works better than than doesn't. But I feel like you're not going to get more music acts than what Citizens Bank and Wells Fargo do. You're they talking just, about obviously links. Get your, yeah. Could you get your mid-level acts? Now, the, the, now, going back to what you said, like, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to perform within 50 miles. Yes. 50 yeah. to 100 miles of, of another concert. So, like, if you do want to perform at the Sixers Arena and there's, like, a, a, a Wildwood Fest or there's a beach fest down in Atlantic City, you're going to have some, some some trouble doing that. But do you make more money with the Sixers? Do you make more money with, uh, you know, your, 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 your festival Ooh. down on the shore? I don't know. But I do think, remove that, why wouldn't mid? Why wouldn't mid acts or like jam bands or? Well, you know, I was just thinking. Wait 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold on, just let me back it up real quick because you're talking about yeah. the, the the thing that like I was complaining that Howard was complaining about. Like just yeah. real quick on on the arena thing with the WNBA. Like if if they, there's there's a lot of people out there who don't necessarily give a shit about sports, but they think like investing in in women or investing in women's sports is like a good like moral imperative, right? Like this is a good sure. thing to do, right? So maybe you should curry some favor towards building the arena if you enter that part of it. You say, look, we're going to, you know, finance a WNBA team here. We're going to fill 40 more nights in the arena. And like, for lack of a better word, we're going to win some points with like the progressives. Right. Who, who, who look at the women, the, the the political and the moral side of women's sports. Right. OK. I mean, that might be a good strategy for the Sixers. You're not going to make money off of the WNBA team right right off the bat. And you may never. But you answer a lot of questions. You answer a lot of questions, and and it's it's at least mean- well the, the the thing you can also at least it is a sport that's showing growth, and so you can you can even make the argument of hey we're we're getting invested into a sport that's that's growing, uh, and we can add that to the broader picture of of you know what this well, arena why don't, can be, who's going to be in this arena. Yeah, here's the thing, Jansen. Why don't why don't the Sixers take this approach and say we want this arena to be like the the like mecca of like basketball in Philadelphia? No disrespect to the Palestra, but like we got the Sixers here, we got the WNBA team here. We're gonna have Roman Catholic versus Newman Garetti in the final here. Like make like why don't yeah, you? Yeah, and like well, because center, even center. looking at the Big Five and the deal that they made, and they're gonna have a lot of games at Wells Fargo. Yeah. The problem is, can you get it away from Wells Fargo? How many things yeah. can you pull away from that arena? Because I think people are really comfortable going to Wells Fargo and I don't know how much you weigh versus being in the city versus outside, just outside of it. Uh, So I don't, I I don't know how much you weigh when you're an organization putting on an event like that. Should I have it at Wells Fargo or this new arena? And I just, I don't know what the answer to that would be, but just off of like a big five perspective, like Temple kids rather go right down on the broad street line to city hall and just jump right down to Sixers. Then they rather go up to West Philly, the Palestra, like you saw last year between St. Joe's now, albeit those both teams sucked. So no one showed up and it was on a Wednesday, (laughs) 
But um, yeah, I mean, I just think you're, I think Kev, you're, you kind of hit the nail on the head between WNBA, between the PCL championship and whatnot. Like I go to the PCL championship every year. You're on top yeah. of each other. Like there's no, there's like people want to like this year was one of the biggest years ever. And people were, I, I was last minute before I could get tickets. You know, you open that up to a, I don't know, what are they proposing? A 20,000 seat arena. You might not fill the second bowl, but you're going to have an entire first bowl filled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you make it, you say that we want this to be like the centerpiece for basketball in Philadelphia and like the WNBA thing. Okay. Maybe it's a side investment that wins you like points in the public realm. You know, maybe people say, Oh, there's like a philanthropic moral side to all of this as well, that they're going to invest in women and women's sports. I don't know if they give a shit about the WNBA. I don't know if some average four for four guy does, but I mean, that's a path that they could, they could go down if they wanted to try to curry some favor here and get anti arena people to get on board. I mean, it's worth thinking of now you guys were well, talking. Yeah, about it, it is just added, added value as well to, to an arena to have something else yeah. other than, Hey, it's just going to be the Sixers. Like what if we bring well, another team one. over? And, I mean, th- yeah. those are the two questions that I hear more than anything. And by the way, for people listening, we're going to have um, David Edelman on the show uh, next week. Who's running the project for the Sixers. Who's a co-owner. So he's going to come on and talk about it. But those are the two things that I hear more than the two complaints. Number one, number one complaint is, Nothing's wrong with South Philly. Why do you have to go anywhere? Right. Number two is like, well, what the hell are you going to do there when the Sixers aren't playing? Right. So I just think the WNBA thing would be a way to. to Absolutely. To, number to, to is number three tailgating? Yeah. That, I just that don't get, yeah. I just, but here's the thing. It's like, so I'm complaining about Howard Eskin complaining about tailgating. He, he hates everything the Sixers do anyway. I mean, if the Eagles wanted to build a new stadium in center city, he'd be all for it. Right. Like, let's be honest, you know. But the thing about like like tailgating is people only tailgate the Sixers games in April and May when it gets warm enough. You're not tailgating the fucking Orlando Magic game in January on a Tuesday, right? Well, and I think we did see concerts at least. Tailgating is uh, that's that's part of it because I I saw a lot of Zach Bryan people. Yeah, Zach Bryan. Yeah, yeah, Zach Bryan is too yeah, big for. Yeah, yeah, Zach Bryan is too big for the Sixers arena. He should be at Wells Fargo. Like your big acts. Well, how small there. is this arena then? Is it even worth going? You know, somewhere. Uh, somewhere outside of this and for a, what a 10 to 15 i guess thousand seat arena they're gonna lose here's the thing i don't even think this is an argument because i don't think like the wells fargo center is gonna lose these shows i don't think the sixers arena is gonna come in and take all these like shows from the Wells. i do fargo i do agree with that yeah so i don't i don't want to take know. away events like that yeah i mean and plus like taylor swift's not gonna be playing the wells fargo center. she's gonna be playing at the the link you know so i don't yeah, even think good. it's almost like a nothing burger because it's like what, what i don't think the sixers are gonna come in and like guns and roses is gonna go oh yeah we're going here uh, you know, Wells Fargo uh, Matchbox Twenty is, uh, is going to move from the Freedom Mortgage over to <laughs> Dave Matthews Band. We'll play four hundredth show. Eighteen five <laughs> is the is the proposed capacity for the new arena. So it's almost so the same size as Wells Fargo. Yeah, so. that's but here's the, the same thing, same. man. It's like yeah, I've been to like a hundred plus shows in Philly since I was seventeen. When we go to the when we go to Camden or we go to Wells Fargo Center and the Link, we tailgate. Right, it's not really much else to do anyway, unless you want to go to Xfinity Live. Right, when I go to the Met, when I go to the Trocadero. When I go to Fillmore, anywhere else, like we hit up one of the local bars or restaurants or something. So, so it's not, but but not once in my entire life have I said like, man, I wish I could tailgate this show. Like we tailgate Motley Crew in Camden, and then like when we go see whoever at, at uh, Underground Arts, you know, we go to like Love City or whatever that brewery is around the street. You know what I'm saying? It's like a, it's not a like. like I think Howard lives in this world where he thinks that like the only like only sports and music only happen in like South Philly. I'm like, we <laughs> got a million venues in in Center City and so many venues. Come yeah. yeah, you know, well, so many bigger venues too. Yeah, the Met the Met is only 3,500, but the Man Center that's yeah, the Man the Man was the other one. 
Well, the Kimmel Center gets a lot of stuff that's not necessarily like music. They have like, you know, classical performances and shit like that. You know, I mean, well, that's the thing, too. If Daryl Morey's going to be around, he's going to get theater, you know, Broadway shows over this new arena. (laughs) Disney on ice. I definitely go see Wicked over there. Maybe maybe the Sixers. The Sixers don't have to go on that dreaded West Coast trip anymore because Disney on ice will be at Wells Fargo Center and they'll have it at they won't have it at 76 place. Well, would you go to so, see like Shen Shen Yun, the Chinese dancer? Or, you know, what do they got? River yeah, dance? There were a bunch of billboards for that, I think. Yeah. yeah. As my dog stretches in the background. But you know what I mean? I just think it's a, such a nothing burger topic because it's like, I don't think anybody's, you know, complaining about the loss of the heralded Sixers tailgating scene. Like, okay, the music side of it, I guess, uh, I get. But if the Sixers build the arena, the Wells Fargo Center is still going to be there. So, and if Live Nation hates it, it's going to be awesome because anything that we need is we need more competition with Ticketmaster and Live Nation because terrible. they are just a monopoly that is. Because Villanova is the the one team in the city, I guess. I don't want to don't want to spur that Ooh. conversation, but they are the only ones they have right who can actually you know get an arena like that and consistently. Would they move over if this is going to be a basketball mecca? I mean, if, I think if you you soften it up too by getting Villanova to sign on for their games over there. That would also, I think, be an added plus. Again, just adding to the the basketball. Bring back um, Chris. Bring back Chris Heck and use his uh, Villanova connections to uh, set up a business deal or something. You know, it's interesting. But you, that's that was the point I was trying to make, John. It's like I mean, you have an ability here to make this like this like the central like location. I wish I actually, had a- if I'm not mistaken, because of NCAA rules, it's only at a certain arena. Yeah, if you play it so many times that you can't play at that arena if you're number one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. Because that Villanova usually only plays a certain amount because if they play any more, they can't play there if they're like a one seed or a certain region. So I Ooh, think so they- if, what if they're in two different arenas and they do, you know, six games here and six games there. And so they don't lose whatever eligibility there is. Yeah, hmm. it's interesting, man. I don't know. We'll, we'll ask David about all this People stuff. really like Finn, which I don't I've yeah. never been to the Finn. So it's it's crazy that we still have nine years to go in this damn arena and we're, we talk about it, I feel like, every week or something new. <laughs> but, this is, but this is the point where where this is like the critical. This is the most man. I've ever talked about it, by the way. Yeah, but, it's not gonna be really? about this. but there's not going to be these topics. There's nothing like we're not going to be talking about these topics between like 2024 and 2031, because if it gets passed, it's like then all these questions will become irrelevant. Uh, like they will have it's been true. answered. I just can't believe people had such a strong opinion either way about it. I don't, I don't, I just don't care what you do. Ooh. Just do yeah. whatever you got to do. You don't live that's in Philadelphia? First thing, that's probably the first I thing. I do not anymore. Do. No, I moved out of Philly. So I'm in media now. So I don't, I don't care. You whatever Philly to wants to do now, go ahead. Yeah. I'm not in South. If right. I was still in South Philly, I'd be ahead. Keep everything there because it's a 10 minute Uber ride to get over there. Oh, 100%. I don't, I don't, everything, everything's an hour to get wherever I need to be. So. Oh, I don't blame the Delco people who are pissed off that it's moving South Philly, yeah, right. but welcome <laughs> to what Monco and Bucks have done for the last 20, 30 years. We've had to get on two different trains. We've had to drive down Those 76 on the Blue Route. Yeah, the Bucks count, uh, Delco, all they have to do is just jet on 95 and then jet out of 95. Welcome to our world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think the thing, and like we, this, we'll probably bring this up with, with Edelman, but it's it's – like again, if the arena gets built, cool. If it doesn't get built, whatever, that's fine too. But I just hate this thing in Philly where it's like somebody proposes something new or something different, and the first thing you hear is like ten people telling you, "No, no, 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 no." Like they tell you, they tell you all these reasons why you can't do something, but nobody wants to actually hear like, "Oh, well, maybe this is a good idea," or you know, like think it through, right? It's like trying to convince the the guy who's been vacationing in Wildwood for forty years that like, well, maybe this year you go to Sea Isle or something. Who's most uh, likely from Delco? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it you build it, they'll come. That's what I think. <laughs> if you build it. <laughs>
they will come. Even if you build it over in Camden, they will still go, unfortunately. But it'll be over in Camden. Hey, some of my favorite right. concerts. I mean, hey, listen, you go right from you go right from the Sixers game to uh, Dave Matthews Band concert. I think some people would love that. Yeah, probably some one of my best that. tailgates in anything, sports or music, was actually Hall and Oates. I was a uh, I tailgated wow. my ass off for Hall and Oates. Private eyes. Temple Zone, Hall and Oates. <laughs> Temple Zone. All right. Does that dog mean it's he's telling us we're done? It's time to go. Yeah, yeah I think he's Dalton. trying to tell me something here, right? Dog's got to go for a walk. Don't you got like a riding mower to fix or something? Or an electrical yeah. problem? That you no, I the, no, I bought the riding mower, Jansen, and it hasn't rained ever since. So now the grass hasn't grown. No. I need it to rain so I can go. <laughs> Man, sometimes you you sound like the the oldest dad that I could imagine. But yeah, a new age cool. dad, like a, a, like new, a new age, age I guess dad. a new yeah. age dad. But no, no, I guess new age dad because they ask. He's asking on Twitter. No dads, you know, older school. Or, you know, Twitter. Yeah, but I'm not going to be asking on TikTok anytime soon. That's for sure. Yeah, but at least you're fixing things in your own house. If I had a house, I would not be fixing things. I'd be calling people yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm pushing 40, Jansen. I'm just trying to embrace it. You know what I mean? I'm not fighting it. I'm going to let it happen. Is that what I have to do? I'm pushing 30 now. Do I have to just embrace? I don't know what embracing 30 is like. Well, your life is almost over, man. No, Thanks, 30's Kevin. the new 20. Shut up. 30's the new 20. The new age dad, though. It's all sustainable products. <laughs> but I, but I'm still 16 or 17, so I don't That's have right. to worry about that. Exactly. Hold on to that forever. I'm starting to gray, so I might need a paint job sometime soon. But hey, Jansen, I appreciate you coming on, my man. Thanks for everything. Yeah, thanks, Kev, Kevin. thank you. No, Craig. Fun, Craig, thanks to you. Thanks to you too. Don't know what you're doing back thank there. Thank you for your But uh, and uh, we will talk to you next Tuesday. Maybe the Phil's will win a game by then. We'll, we'll see.